0: We want to begin episode 192 by very seriously asking you to pray for Pastor Michael Nations. Many of you will remember Michael. He was on episodes 176 and 181 with us. What a fantastic, wonderful, godly man, pastor of Clyde Church of God in Clyde, North Carolina. Today, he's in Mission Hospital in Asheville, North Carolina. He is extremely ill. They're having a hard time diagnosing the cause of this meningitis that he's got. And uh, there's, there's some other things going on. Would you pray that the doctors would have wisdom, that God would bless what they're doing, that they would discover the cause of Michael's illness and be able to treat him right away? This has been a tough number of weeks for Michael and for his family. We're asking you to pray for him. He's a wonderful man of God. He's done a lot for small church pastors. But he's hurting. And we're going to ask you to pray. Thank you so much.
1: This is episode 192 of the 200 Churches Podcast.
2: When I think about the New Testament and and Jesus and the movement and what he launched and and the church and Peter and all that, it was progress. I mean, it was messy, it was chaotic, it was unorganized, there were churches where it had full of messes and problems and arguments, but man, they were taking new territory. That gets me excited.
0: That's scary, <laughs> though.
2: Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry, the sweet and sour of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny.
0: This is the 200 Churches podcast. My name is Jeff Cady, and I'm here with my podcast partner, associate pastor, and sometime friend, Johnny Craig. Hey, Johnny, how are you? I'm good. I'll take that good. intro. Good to be in the studio today.
1: It is. I'm wearing a sweatshirt, so it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, it's pretty warm outside, so you got to think that the studio is nice and cool.
1: It's the right temperature for the day.
0: Hey, yeah. hey! Last night, I just got on. I just got on to our 200 Churches podcast page. Yeah. And I just I just randomly clicked on a podcast episode. It was 150 something. And we were talking about being here in the studio. Yeah. And I just listened to like the first 45 seconds of it and I'm laughing out loud. Because <laughs> I kind of remember recording it and it was funny and I took it up I had my wife listen to it. You know, we've got all these past episodes. I don't even think about them. They're they're done. I just yeah, they're they're in That's the past last week's news. But for those of you who have just started uh, listening to the 200 Churches podcast, yeah. you heard us on Kerry Newhoff and you hopped over and you've been listening. It's a great choice on your we, part. You know, we would say uh, absolutely. <laughs> we, we would say basically anything from episode the middle 30s on up is good. is good quality. <laughs> is gonna trash our first 30 well, the first 30 you know we were practicing and <laughs> somebody told me that yeah, they had just started true. listening and they had gotten up to episode 30 and I was like you got up to episode, you listen to the first 30 they're like yeah the first 30 I'm those like those are oh. garbage Oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> That's a slog so whenever I go to somebody else's at least they're podcast I, I never listen to their early stuff No, it's not I just as want good. the recent the current stuff you know where they're at today yeah. But but hey anything middle 30s on up is fine to listen to
1: <laughs> We've been good for 160 episodes That's right hey
0: we have a special guest today Johnny Oh yeah he has not been on for uh, like eight months. I
1: want to say this clearly, okay? Just cl- as clear as can be. I'm not going to quibble.
0: I'm waiting with bated breath.
1: Some some people who have come to our podcast recently came. They flowed through the Kerry Newhoff, you know, tube to get yeah. here. Oh, yeah. We love these listeners. Yes. You guys are awesome. Don't believe that Kerry has been in with Dan Ryland longer than we have, all right? Dan Ryland is the OG of the 200 Churches podcast. What's OG? Original, original Gangster. Original, original guest <laughs> That works. Yeah. <laughs> He's the OG in multiple ways.
0: That's in my, in my pasteurized no, mind. No, it's great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's the OG original guest <laughs> of the 200 Churches podcast. So if you are a Newhoff listener, great. We love Newhoff. He's been on. We've been on his. We love it. But don't go listen to episode 105 of Carrie Newhoff and then think, oh, and also 200 Churches got this guy, Dan Ryland. He started here. Well, he started with John Maxwell. <laughs> that's right. That's he's right. been here for a long time. Dan is a good friend of the show.
0: Dan, today is his 21st appearance on the 200 Churches that's podcast. something, man. Beginning with episode 33. His,
1: his appearances are old enough to drink.
0: They are. That's amazing. They really are. Yeah. So if you go on to 200 dot com and go into the podcast series, there's two series that feature Dan. There's his There's his Amplified Leadership series, yep. which has a link to his book Amplified Leadership. Good book. So get the book, Good even book. get it on Kindle, and then go through the five episodes there where we literally walk through with him through each part of the book.
1: It's practically like getting a one on one class with Dan Ryland. Yeah. It yeah, really it is. is.
0: It's great. I mean, you got to listen to the fluff from us. Like yeah, I this mean, right that's now. not ideal, but yeah. But anyway, the, the other the other series is just the Dan Ryland series. That's all of his episodes. Yeah, and, and including today's then, it would be 21 episodes. That's something. Uh, that he appears with us on. Yeah. So we've been busy this year. Dan's been busy. We just haven't connected. Right. But we connected at the end of the summer, and Dan spent an hour and a half with us. What a guy. We recorded two episodes, yeah. and the cool thing is... We get to share them with you. Yeah, for sure. And we did oh oh, so here's what I wanted to tell you. Go to Carrie Newhoff. If you haven't, go to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast and look at episode one oh five. Listen to it. It's one hour of Carrie talking with Dan Ryland and asking him all the John Maxwell story questions. So if you're if you're an old man like Jeff, yeah, forty five or over, you're gonna love that. All the stories I mean, all the skinny on Dan's early years with Maxwell and the leadership lessons he learned. Yeah, He and Kerry, I mean, they just talk it up for an hour at the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast, episode 105. Yeah. So if you don't know who Dan is, that'd be a great episode to listen to. Sure. And then come back and start catching up to all the episodes he's got because it's dynamite 21 episodes
1: of gold right there it
0: is yeah it is so are we, are we ready
1: we're ready let's toss it to him man
0: so good to have you back dan it's been like nine months since you were last on the podcast
2: well good news is i have not had a baby in nine months <laughs> i was so, about to say yeah <laughs> yeah so but uh jeff johnny always great fun to be with you and uh good to be back
0: dan you know you helped us when we were hopeless back in our first year true. of podcasting, <laughs> you, you agreed to be on our podcast, and you've done, I think, about 15, somewhere between 15 and 20 episodes with us over the last almost four years now. So we want to thank you for doing that.
2: I appreciate that. I, I must be getting old because I, I don't remember 15 of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we got five out of that first uh, I think we we talked for a hundred minutes
2: oh, you the know, first I, time, right? Yeah, I'm only counting our recording sessions, and you divide them up. That's true. That's it. True. Okay. That's it. Okay.
0: Very true. Very true. But don't tell people that, though. No, no, no. I no, won't. You've been on they 15 won't. different times. <laughs>
1: you started with us at the bottom, and now we're here, Dan. So I'm excited.
2: Now, now that I, now I'm I'm just happy. It's kind of like the late night show. Now that you guys are big time, I'm happy you still bring me on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're kind oh. like that, you know. That's what we do.
0: So, Dan, you recently wrote a post called Seven Signs Your Church May Be in Maintenance Mode. Yeah. And I, and I, I did. thought when now when I name these things, I don't like completely uh, rip off the name that you put on them. So so I might I might have as a title for this one help I think my church is in maintenance mode. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> might do that, but but you talked about I, I want to go to a specific sentence in like the third paragraph. You said for churches maintenance mode is basically an ongoing and unaddressed holding pattern in attendance. Uh-huh. So so, when you deal with, with pastors, like, like they come, I know they come to uh, 12 Stone, you have different groups come, and, and you just do some, uh, probably some official and unofficial mentoring and coaching. Mm-hmm. How 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 prevalent is this in churches?
2: I think it's, it's, it's prevalent in more churches than not. Uh, I think the more popular term these days is, you know, the church is stuck. Okay, and, right yeah and so the the static word that's used a lot is it's the church is stuck, but the the sort of counterintuitive notion is that it seems strange for pastors to be exhausted while their church is stuck hmm. <laughs> and, and yet they are, and that's a that's the sign for me of maintenance mode. You're working hard, you're running, 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 you're you're busy, busy, busy. But it's stuck. Well, that's that's maintenance mode that's oftentimes, I think I even have a miswrite in here, which you'll probably catch and we'll talk about it. But, you know, I, I, I phrase it this way, doing the same things with the same people over and over again. That's just a classic sign. And that's really pretty common, even in very large churches for different reasons. But that happens Often.
1: Recently you were on the Carrie Newhoff podcast and you talked about discipling the same people over and over and over again. I mean, is yep. that kind of what you're talking about here?
2: It is. It is. And it's, I think it's in one of the points here in this post, in this one that we're talking about. It the, the notion is at some point in time, if we're discipling, if we're actually, if the job is you know successful, they're going to be able to uh, move on and begin to disciple other people or Evangelizing, In other words, new people right. are coming in so that you've got other people to pour into.
1: Yeah, I call it feeding the fat sheep. <laughs> but I'm mean like that.
0: <laughs> Johnny's so diplomatic. So Dan, you got seven signs here. Seven yeah. signs we might be in maintenance mode. And now, now I just want you to know, I am very protective of small church pastors, even, even those who might tend to feed fat sheep. And and slip into maintenance mode. We all feed some fat sheep, so I might have to challenge you once once in a while, and I don't want you to take offense.
2: I want you to challenge away. Okay, yeah.
0: First sign. What's the first sign?
2: First sign is that shepherding uh, takes priority or becomes a priority over evangelism, Uh, where caring for the body, you know, there's just more energies kind of going into the flock rather than increasing the flock.
0: Yeah, but Dan, Dan, do you want me to turn my back on the people who, these people brought our church to the point where that we're at right now. I mean, it sounds like you want me to ignore the good people who built this church, and they're the reason why I can even be here, and you want me to turn my back on them and, and, and look out to greener pastures with fluffier sheep. <laughs>
2: That's exactly what I want you to do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm going to lose my job. No, of, of course not. Um, there's. It's so important to shepherd and, and care for the people. But the flip side, the scriptures are just as equally uh, dominant. And if you take the whole lineup of the parables of the one, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the, the one and the new and the, and the go out and it's worth it, Hmm. Uh, I, I think that the point is that of, of course we don't turn our backs and, and leave those who are there, but there's a point of well I'll say it again that doing the same things with the same people over and over again that I, I just uh, I appeal to pastors when I get to talk with them that they're telling me they're frustrated they're telling me they're going nowhere I'm offering them an insight as to why and. Here's the great news because I, I get it. If somebody's in a smaller community and it's not tens of thousands of people and it's a smaller church, we're not talking about growing by a hundred percent a year. That's not the goal We, this numbers, it's not all numbers. But if there's one new person, or two new people, or five new people, that's revolutionary kingdom growth. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a hundred new people, it could be three. The, the point I'm, I, I want to make is that are we intentionally pouring some energy into chasing the one and chasing the 10 new ones rather than huddling up with the same group over and over again?
0: So maybe your point, too, is that our sheep, our people, they're probably not going to come to us and say, hey, you know what, Pastor? Just I'm good. I'm good. Don't pay attention to me for a while. Just go ahead and uh, look, for, look for the people that need help. go go on out there and let's, you know, let's bring some more people in and I'm going to do the same thing. And, and don't worry about me for a while. I can feed myself. They're probably not going to say that, right?
2: Probably not going to say that. (laughs) And, and, uh, I think we have to take it a step farther. I think you guys do a good job of this. We have to take a step farther and actually teach and train them. I mean, take them straight to, take them straight to Ephesians chapter four. And the role of the pastor is this. And, and I'm to raise you up and equip you for the what? The work of ministry and to say, look, you know, I'm pouring into you, I love you, I care about you, but there comes a time now where you need to start doing this ministry stuff, because my job really is to help you do your ministry. And so that's the notion of of equipping them to serve and to help, and part of that serving and helping is to go out and Invite someone to church, and and it's not a big pressure thing. It's it's not a uh, you know the seventies and eighties go knocking on doors thing unless I mean, they want. No want offense to
0: the seventies and eighties, of course. <laughs> they were great. None, they were great. decades. None,
2: none whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> but it's more of hey, can you make a friend? And can you invite them to church? Right. That's you're an evangelist if you do that. Yeah. Cool.
0: I like it. Okay. You persuaded me on number
2: one. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I got six more.
1: There you go. So we're talking the signs that your church may be in maintenance mode. You just covered, right, shepherding is a priority over evangelism. And then your second point here is that activity wins over productivity.
2: Those aren't the same, Dan? (laughs) Well, no. Uh, There's there's a a little bit of an overlap here from these two, what we just said, you know, kind of this active, 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 the pastors get exhausted and they work, because pastors really work hard, I think. Pastors in small churches really work hard, and they're very active, and they're doing all the things they have to do, run the board, write the sermons, fix the thing, you know, all this stuff, and and yet it's often the very reason the church stays small, because they, uh, some leaders just do so many things that almost anything that somebody could think up for them to do or respond to, they say yes and do it, as opposed to a more strategic and lean approach to ministry that leads to greater productivity and results in greater life change, the thing that the pastors really dream and pray for. Uh, And so, because here's the truth of the matter, is, is no one church can do everything. So if that's true, and it is, no one church can do everything, then what you do should be strategic.
1: Okay, sure. Dan, yeah, yeah, but uh, I, we have all these ministries, these ongoing ministries, these ministries that are very close to people, right? How am I just supposed to, like, stop doing that, right? That's what's keeping me busy. And isn't busyness and productivity, aren't we splitting hairs? I mean, if I feel busy, aren't I being productive?
2: No, you're not. <laughs> you're asking a direct question, so I'll give a direct answer. <laughs> uh uh Busyness is not productivity, and, and it just leads to exhaustion. But, so how, but you're asking a really, really good question. How am I supposed to stop ministries that are near and dear to people in your, in your church? That's a really good question, because there's no reason to go be a cowboy and throw a grenade in your church and make everybody mad and everybody leaves. There's no point to that. Uh, but just with the church recently and walked them through this uh, series of steps, step one, step one is stop adding any new ministries. Don't add anything more. Just stop adding. And then step step two is to begin to communicate to the leaders and the congregation and the – well, maybe not from the Sunday morning, but begin to teach and communicate the value and the reasons for a lean ministry. We can talk about that in a second. Why would you do that? And third, you do a a ministry audit, which is simply listing every every ministry in the church. It's not hard to do. List every ministry in the church and then begin to talk about with each other which are effective, which aren't effective, which are working, which aren't working, and then you move to decisions, which ministries maybe should we not do, and then because of where you started, how you're supposed to stop ministries that are near and dear to people's hearts, that actually begin to cut them slowly, just little bit by little bit, pull back, because all this time you're still communicating, teaching and training people why we're doing this. Uh, because you want, to, you want to do it to create margin so you can innovate. You want to create margin so you have time to go and make friends and invite new people to church. You want to create margin so that you can be home with your family rather than at the church every night of the week. It, it, you're, you're doing this to get better and reach more people.
0: Dan, that is a great process. And so I just want to encourage pastors, you know, go rewind, right? Rewind and go back and look at that. Write Write that down. Write that down. And intentionally, when you need to move forward in your church in this area, intentionally work through that process. That's a great process. And now these seven things, Dan, honestly, I picked this one because I don't think there's a one of these that, Every pastor doesn't have to struggle against because a church left to its own kind of moves in these directions. So number three, what's the third uh, the third way you can know you're in maintenance mode?
2: Analyzing is emphasized over innovating. Uh, we, I think, all of us do it, especially if the church isn't growing as much. Now we we're blessed with some good growth at Twelve Stone, but but when we have a low day. <laughs> Well, I you know when we have a lower attendance day then mm-hmm. we kick into the well the football game is this, and they're at the they're at the lake, and the people are here, and they got the flu, and what, you know really ten thousand people have the flu what do you mean <laughs> you know and and we can kick into analyzing things when sometimes the better energy is to um why don't we just innovate and make things better, not more. Remember the last one, not more, but make things better. And also, what we what we like to say, maybe this is encouraging. Uh, we're not interested in different. We're after better. We're not impressed by well, you you change the website from blue to green, you know, is it better?
0: How do you tip over the top of the hill and down the other side of analyzing a situation in order to innovate and then actually actually innovating, getting past the analyzing, getting past the discussion, and actually pull the trigger on an innovative process?
2: Um, two things. One, practice actually doing something with the analysis. We have a, almost an epidemic level people gathering data now because we have so many apps and so much computer power we are experts at gathering data and we don't do much with it and so if you begin to learn to gather data we have a rule here we won't do a survey we don't do da- we, we don't go near data that we're not going to do something with so what that does for you that discipline what that helps you with is it just narrows how much stuff you're collecting then you gather enough to make a decision. Uh, here's something I'm guilty of, guys. I mean, I, I definitely, I've come of a long line of overthinkers. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and, and I can overthink myself into, you know, a stupor. And, and, you know, the, the good news is you, we, we can think deep. The bad news is you can overthink. And so I constantly have to tell myself, okay, Dan, enough. Enough already. You have enough information. Make the decision and get going.
0: And that's the innovation point.
2: Yep, when you're, you're in, you're, you are the, the new tweak, the new, uh, there's, there's nothing new of the sun, but the tweak, the, the, the improvement that you're going to innovate your first-time visitor follow-up, you're going to do whatever it is you're working on, make the decision, implement, go.
0: Can you think of an example of something that that w- where you innovated and you were able to get something to be better or you were able to uh, side, uh, you are able to jump over a hurdle and actually keep moving because like you said you know there's there's football games people go to the lake culture is changing on and on and we just have to resign ourselves to the fact that people aren't coming to church as much anymore things like that so is do you have an example of an innovation that actually worked that was just new and different and better
2: well most of our innovations are I, th- I think we overdo the word new. That's why I, I used that illustration a second ago of a first-time visitor process. When we talk about innovations, I think sometimes people are, are, are looking for some radical, crazy, brand-new thing that no one's ever thought of before. Hmm. I think most everything's been thought of before. Innovation for us means making what we have better. And so that applies to nearly everything. So in that way, I could give you lots of illustrations. We're always working on small groups innovating the small group process we work on innovating the process of sermon development we work on uh innovating uh, again first-time visitor process Uh, we're talking about right now the ability to discern if you've got a good visitor flow the ability to discern which needs more effort and energy the uh, first-time visitors coming back or people who have been there six seven eight months nine months a year they're they're leaving and it's, just, and it's innovating processes and systems and leadership ability to make things better.
0: That sounds like you can scale that up or down. Absolutely. You, in fact, if you scale it down into a small church, it's a lot easier than it is in a real large church. A lot less data to crunch. Yeah, that's good. That's really
2: good.
1: Dan, still talking about you know, how, do you, how do you know if your church is in maintenance mode? And we're you got seven ways. We're on number four. What's number four here?
2: Depth is affirmed more than reach. Ooh, that cuts, Dan. Come on now. I know. I know. Well, keep going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, this sounds like the heresy I heard on the Carrie Newhoff podcast. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> we've already talked about this in a little bit, but I'll I'll come back and and just chat here a little bit more. I totally understand the the, the concerns. It's It sounds like a total heresy. Like, what are you saying? Don't stop feeding people the word, whatever, you know? And Well, of course not. That's, That's not what we mean. But we said this earlier, you know, discipling the same people over and over again with no results, meaning they're not growing. They're coming to the same class over and over again. They come to the same prayer meeting over and over again, but they're not serving. They're not reaching the lost. They're not doing the things that actually a mature disciple would do. And that's just, as we've been saying here a few times, that's just exhausting. So, of course, you don't stop teaching truth to the people. But that, that never stop teaching truth to people is really more about the Sunday morning experience and the Word. I'm referring more to leadership development and discipleship and probably should use the word doing like I do more often you know, doing the same thing for the same people over and over again rather than a misspeaker or a miswrite is teaching the same thing over and over again. Because that really, we do that on Sunday mornings. Now, to try to move forward here with that, that's just catching up with what we already said. I, I think sometimes we have to be honest and say maybe, maybe not reaching new people is shallow. Yeah. You know, m- m- maybe it's not, maybe there's two ways to see this that depth is great, but to what end? What, what's the purpose of it? The glory
0: of God. (laughs) The glory of God, brother. It all flows into the glory of God. Uh, Yeah, you know, depth, we get prepared for stuff. I mean, what if we, Johnny and I just finished a couple years ago, we just finished this uh, master's program. Yeah, You know, what if we never finished? You know what if you you get in a master's program and it's like paying rent or paying a mortgage for the rest of your life you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it but you never get to step out of the program and into the job right right or right. into the activity and it, and is that what sometimes we're doing in our churches we just keep them in this education program but we never put them to work
2: that's exactly it it's like it like if people the the young students that come to our two year residency. It'd be like letting them they, – they go to four years of college and they come to our two-year residency for ministry. It'd be like them staying in their, in their, in their residency for 20 years. It's like, no, go. Go do something. You've got enough now.
1: <laughs> You've right. got,
2: you you can go teach others.
1: This is one of your uh one of the points that I cannot play foil to, Dan. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't even pretend to be shocked and offended by this one because I'm with you. If If we're not – I mean all the biblical knowledge in the world is literally – I think it hinges on how well we take that out into action and love our neighbor, right? I feel like somebody said that in the Bible. Somebody said
2: that. Who was that? Somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) So all of this hinges on Noah Spire. What is it? I don't know, but yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I mean, this is like this is it. And as pastors, I hope that we recognize this i I hope this isn't shocking information to a pastor that we can we can preach the most deep messages in the whole world but if our people and and us aren't out loving their neighbor right aren't loving their community aren't reaching people with the good news of jesus christ through our lives then it's then it's not anything of value
2: honestly since now we're really getting honest which is great that's just busy yeah it's it's just busy
0: Dan, how do you see this playing out in churches these days? Remember we used to talk about, you know, there was the fellowship church and the worship church, the evangelism church, the Bible study church. Are there still Bible study churches out there that emphasize solid Bible teaching? And that's kind of the purpose of the church.
2: Yeah, there are. Um, Actually, there's been a a resurgence of that. And I kind of like them. I like Bible churches, they you know, verse by verse. I, I, I think that's great. Among those that are Bible churches that activate the people from Bible, that church is really like, oh my gosh, they've got it. That's like, we all want to grow up and be one of those, <laughs> yeah. is a church that is Bible, but activates the people to live out all that fantastic knowledge that they have.
0: So the depth isn't bad, No. As long as something springs out of it.
2: Oh, my gosh. We need the depth. And, and, but let's, uh, that's exactly it, uh, uh, Jeff. Let's just go do something with it.
0: That's great. I love it. I love it. Okay. We're number five. I think we're at number five.
2: Number five. All right. We're racing on through stability is valued over progress.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) I think the word, I I feel the word risk in here somewhere.
2: No, not risk. Not risk. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not going to take a step if I don't know there's not solid ground on the other end. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to be slipping and falling. People get hurt really bad that way. So where's the tension here and where's the balance?
2: I think in the local church, stability is important in terms of culture. Stability is important in terms of um, the trust factor in the predominantly senior pastor, but both. We're, you know, Johnny matters too here, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but uh, there, there are issues from culture to the pastor to the, the actual uh, um, values of the church, where stability is a very important thing. But stability uh, should, should not be valued over progress. In other words, it's all right uh, for us to be a little messy, to gain progress, it's all. It's, we need to take some risks and make mistakes to make progress. We use this phrase here all the time: move the ball down the field, move the ball down the right, field. So yeah. okay. If you make mistakes, it's all right. But uh, are you are you making a little a little bit of progress in everything we're doing? And I think that really is when I think about the New Testament and, and Jesus and the movement and what he launched and the lo- and the church and Peter and all that. It was progress. I mean, it was messy, it was chaotic, it was unorganized. There were churches where had full of messes and problems and arguments, but man, they were taking new territory. That
1: gets me excited. It's scary though. <laughs> it's scary for some of our pastors listening, right? This is scary cuz you got a church 40, 50, 60 people, right? And there's there's a little bubble, a little financial bubble there for you, right? There's a little bit of that, you know, dedicated giving or whatever that keeps you paid. <laughs> Yeah, But right. sometimes we look at that word progress and we start to see that bubble might start to diminish, right? That little general fund account might start to go down if we start to look toward progress. And then we start to wonder, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to take those risks, right? Faith-filled risks. Or should we just kind of hold pat and do our time? We could probably make it another 15 years on this. <laughs> And stay on that stability it 's easy to talk ourselves into isn 't it dan
2: it is it is it is, and the older you get and the larger the church gets, the more that 's at stake huh, yeah. uh, I mean church planners never think stability, they just want it they just, 're just go 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 go, yeah, but it is true it 's just like a young couple they 're bold and a young married couple, my kids just got my daughter just got married in March. They're bold and courageous and they take risks because they don't have anything. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's true. And and you're, when you're 40 years old, 50 years old, and you've got kids in college and you've got a, a, a little nest egg and, and a mortgage and all that, that's like, Whoa, you get a little more cautious. The same thing in a church. The longer somebody's been there and they've poured their life into it and they've cared for the flock, they've got a lot more to risk. And so we can lean into stability when I really think the gospel says the first word, Matthew 28, is go. That's the first word, go.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, Dan. I keep on rehashing it. I'm sorry. We're still talking. You know, your church is stuck in maintenance mode. How do you know? How do you know? What are the signs of that? We just talked about number five, that stability becomes more important than progress. What's number six, Dan?
2: Number six, uh, the six signs, I like Jeff Fox, with it. Your, my, your sign is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the sixth sign that your church might be in maintenance mode is that c- community is embraced greater than compassion. Community okay. is embraced
0: more than I them. thought
1: community was important. I thought we were supposed to be a, a gospel-centered, a Christ-centered community as a church.
2: We are, and I, I love the theme that's coming out here with its depth, stability, all that. As long as all these things we're talking about are turned and transformed, that energy, that, that vitality, that spiritual vitality is transformed outward so community is necessary acts chapter 6 i mean community we're we're all about that you want to be all of us but we want to make sure that that is turned outward into the community whether they're acts of compassion acts of you know uh, uh, justice um just out in the community re- rolling up our sleeves and getting our hands dirty that's the idea to go get involved. Let me connect uh, uh, something we mentioned back when we were talking about a leaner ministry, like stop adding new stuff and teach the congregation and do a ministry audit and make your cut slowly, that kind of a thing. Lean mm-hmm. it out with the idea that not, not one church can do everything. So, so let's do the ones that God called you to do. In this notion, um, we would never start anything in the community. We always go and engage in a partnership with a parachurch or, or some uh, uh, an agency or an outfit or a ministry or whatever that's in the community, let, let them be the experts, let them drive it, let them own it, and we'll go partner and we'll bring people and financial resources to those ministries. And we have a wide variety and they're all strategically and prayerfully chosen. That's the big idea, guys, is is to, to community is great, but let's take it Let's take that out into literally the community, <laughs> uh, no pun intended there, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, take the community out in the community. What does that mean? And so that the community can really see the, the loving nature of the church.
0: So community is an inward focus, and you're talking about compassion for those on the outside as we go out to serve them.
2: That's it. Okay. You, so, guy, well, you guys have a great way of saying succinctly and brilliantly what I just— <laughs> What I just get all excited about, I just ramble on, and so we're a good team. I, I ramble, I get excited, <laughs> well, and you go.
0: You're not so, rambling while you're talking. we got all that time to think up these pithy little statements.
2: And you're doing, this is a great teamwork. Oh, my. <laughs> so
0: we had, I don't know if it was Lori Harris. Lori Harris. Dan, I was
2: thinking of her, too,
1: as you were who, talking, Dan. Who
0: one of them said that, uh, Dan, in regarding this, they said, hey, there's there's buildings and there's agencies that yes. the government pays for and And they're they're already providing a space and and materials and funding and a lot of times as believers, we could just plug right into some of those, come alongside and help and serve and they're already paying for it all for us and then when you've got believers at kind of uh ministering to other people in those venues, it really works out well
2: it's phenomenal it's so evangelistic you're 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 out in the community. You're in culture. You're mixing it up. And here's a this is a unspoken. This is not the goal, but but there's a a byproduct that comes of this that is so extraordinary. The community begins to figure out who you are and see you in a very positive light. Mm. That you're not all kind of in in yourself, but you're all over the community. You're helping. You're serving. You're showing up. You're part of the city. You're part of the town, and. That really comes back to the church in a helpful way.
0: So we're about to get to the last one, but let's review. Shepherding is a priority over evangelism. Activity wins over productivity. Analyzing is emphasized over innovating. Depth is affirmed more than reach. Stability is valued over progress. And community is embraced greater than compassion. What's the last one, Dan?
2: The last one is delegation is practiced more than development. I thought delegation was good. Delegation is great, um, but delegation in the absence of development mm. is really more dumping. That's how yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's see I I had time to practice one too while while you were asleep. I took your cue. I you just go. listen. I got time to practice one. Well, so
0: Well, you're describing Johnny's method of delegating. Yeah, that's, you are, yeah. I think. Dump and run.
2: Dump and run, baby. Dump and run. <laughs> so, absolute delegation is a great thing. You want to be able to hand things off, let people make decisions, give give tasks to do. People want to do it. People want to be helpful. That's fantastic. But development is what's going to uh, pour into people and help them live a better life, help them rise up so they can carry a, a greater load, so they can literally become come alongside you and carry weight with you. And what begins to happen is rather than you spotting the problem, figuring out the solution, and then ask somebody to help you do it, they rise up to the point where they're empowered, they're trained, they're developed. They'll spot problems. They'll fix them. Here's what I love about our staff at and, and the volunteers and, and at, at Twelve Stone and, and many, many, many churches, they'll spot stuff and fix it for you, and you never even knew it was a problem. Nice. That's awesome.
0: Well, and th- because they're at the ground level, right? They're seeing it.
2: They're seeing it. And you and you might say, "Well, well, give me an example." Sure. Let's say there's a, a, a it's a church of you know ninety six people, and somebody in the church is really mad, and they are just popping off, and usually. Everybody goes run into the pastor and tell, hey, did you know that so and so is mad? Well, you know what? You go handle it. You you're a leader now. We've poured into you for we've discipled you. You can take that person to coffee. You can help them have another perspective. You can care about them and love them. And you can solve the problem by pouring water on the fire, and maybe the pastor doesn't even have to know. And so the pastor can maybe get on the community and invite a new person to church.
0: Dan. Heresy. Heresy. Oh my goodness, Dan. <laughs>
1: That was beautiful. Just run that back a hundred times for this episode of the podcast. Wouldn't that be great to have a church with leadership, with, with structure where people put out fires for you? Imagine that, Pastor.
0: Dan, this— but
1: it's, They do it. They can.
2: They can. The, I love it.
0: The, the irony in this is uh, we do have leaders that do that sometimes, and it's yep. always wonderful when that happens. Yep. But the uh, irony in this is that when we're done with you— I'm going to somebody's home, and they're very mad at me right now.
2: Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> so, oh no. I've got
0: to go, and we've got to work it out. We've got to figure it out. But, uh, but but this same person, though, I have had, I have had guys in my church uh, intercede before, and, and it has worked out very well, and this will work out fine, too.
2: Let's encourage listeners by, by adding this one thought. You don't need 29 leaders who know how to do that. If you have one or two or three, even, just one or two or three who have that much leadership skill level, they can help you transform your church in an extraordinary way.
0: Dan, can you speak, just as we put a, a bow on this episode, can you just talk for a minute about the reality of actually doing these things, turning these things around in a small church? Because I don't want pastors to get just overly discouraged too quickly so maybe to somehow affirm the difficulty but also affirm the possibility over time
2: absolutely first you know I'm a champion of uh, pastors of smaller churches and that's why we love I love doing this with you and and always hope that the pastors gain value and encouragement so first thing I, you know that my heart's clear in this thing that that uh we so believe in what they're doing and it's very difficult sometimes if you're a solo pastor and you're kind of on your own, you're working hard. So the first thing I would say is don't let the list of seven overwhelm you. Hmm. Just take a minute of prayer. Take a don't Don't overthink like I can do. <laughs> take a minute of prayer and just pick one or two things from the list and get freed up from worrying about all the, forget the rest of the list for now, just forget it. Pick one or two and go after it. And then second, celebrate small progress. You don't have to jump a huge, huge jump. As God gives you little wins, celebrate the little wins because here's what I can promise you. The little wins turn into middle-sized wins and the middle-sized wins turn into big wins. Every little win matters and let God build mo one little win at a time. The big mo. The big mo.
0: Motivation. No, not motivation. Momentum. 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 Excellent. Excellent.
1: Dan, will you come
2: back again? I will. Will you talk to us again? I'll do it. You keep inviting me, and if we we can help pastors, we'll come back.
1: You know, at the beginning you said it's been nine months you didn't have a baby. I think I had two since the last time we talked. (laughs) Yeah, Johnny actually has added two
0: two to his family since then. So
1: so. I've had enough for both of us, Dan, but we'll have you back (laughs) ASAP. There won't be a nine-month wait this time. All right, sounds good, seriously, every time we've ever talked to Dan uh, on the podcast, I've walked away challenged and encouraged and I'm not Jeff when we started this whole podcast, I was like, oh leadership stuff is dumb and i I still say that sometimes you've heard me say that right
0: uh, a couple times, Johnny
1: I think it's cheesy hokey sometimes Dan Ryland I mean he just he's he does such a great job. it's not cheesy it's not dumb I mean it's really helpful it's really applicable to your situation and honestly look. Even if you listen to this and we're like, yeah, maybe my church isn't in maintenance mode, but it's still maybe one or two of those things, it's still helpful, right? What church doesn't have some of
0: this going on? No church, Johnny. That's what I'm saying. A church with a pastor who is putting his hands over his ears because <laughs> he refuses to hear it. Or, yeah. or or she is putting her hands over her ears. So no,
1: This is just every pastor Seven things, get something from this. Seven of these things,
0: yes. I mean, every single one of them you can either see in your church now or know that you've had it in your church before absolutely every single one of them cuz yeah. these are the things that we work against and that we fight against all the time as as church leaders and we don't want to be in maintenance mode right like we don't that's that is
1: not the place where any of us want our church to be and sometimes we feel like as pastors is it my fault that we're here like how, how, why don't i know how to lead us out of this this I, is part of that process of leading out recognize what you're dealing with And then it will give you a clearer path to lead out of those. So many of
0: you have heard Andy Stanley talk about problems to be solved versus. Tensions to be managed. Sure. Right? And depth is a firm more than reach. That's not, that's the discipleship evangelism thing. Right. And that's just a tension to be managed. Right. You can't get rid of that problem. It's always going to be there. And then shepherding is a priority over evangelism. Again, that's the same thing. That's discipleship, caring for the people who are already there versus caring for the people who aren't there yet. These are tensions that we have to manage. And it's just, you know, they're never going to disappear, and we always have to work at these things so we don't fall into maintenance mode.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. We want to see America and the world full of small, innovative churches that are making a difference in their communities, right? That's our heart for this podcast, right? To encourage pastors and say, you can do this in your small church. You don't need Dan Ryland-sized church, right? 12 Stone in Atlanta. You don't need that to make a difference, to be innovative, right, to, to make an impact in your community. Lori Harris a couple weeks ago, he's got 40 people on a Sunday. You know, that's what her church is doing, and their community impact is insane.
0: Let me tell you what. This episode compared yeah. to the Lori Harris episode, both awesome off-the-charts episodes. Yeah, for sure. One, a church with 30, 40 people. Right. One, a church with 17,000. Crazy. We're all in this thing together. Bingo. We are. Yeah. So that is that is encouraging. Yeah. So I hope that this encourages you as a small church pastor to know that it doesn't matter. You can pastor 20,000 or 20, you still have value and meaning and significance to bring to the kingdom of God. And Absolutely. you do it every single day.
1: That's absolutely right. Yes. I, I
0: have this joke I do with my kids. And it's about hanging your head in shame. And if they if they do something wrong and it's, you know, something that I know they didn't mean to do it or they make a mistake or something. And uh, and or if I make a mistake, they'll tell me, Hang your head in shame. <laughs> hang it in shame, Dad. And you know, I'll like hang my head you know, we just joke about it. But you know what? I'm afraid pastors there's pastors that are doing that. Yeah. They're hanging their head in shame yeah. because they're driving home on a Sunday after church and they feel like there wasn't critical mass there or that stuff happened that was discouraging to them. And ministry is hard work. Yes, yes. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. And there are days when they're just those days that you drag yourself around, but never question the significance of what you're doing Exactly, as a pastor exactly. in a smaller church. Yeah. You know, because... Honestly, large church pastors, they have those same kind of days where they're dragging their sorry you know what from their <laughs> office back to home. And they're tired, yeah. okay? So yeah. doesn't matter. The size of your church doesn't matter. The size of your heart for people is what matters. Yeah, for sure.
1: So we, uh, we know you were encouraged by Dan Ryland. Like Jeff said, check him out on Kerry Newhoff if you want even more content from him. And then obviously check out the two Dan Ryland series pages at 200churches.com slash podcast series. Um, tons of just hours, hours and hours of great content. So thank you so much to Dan for hanging out with us and thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast.
2: We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our Seven Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new, shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 Church.
1: I was cruising through some music yesterday, and I realized that everything I was listening to was a decade old. And I thought, <laughs> I remember when I used to think, dude, how do people like lose track of music trends, man? Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be listening to new, new music forever. I turn on the radio, I'm like, this is garbage. <laughs> Get me out of here.
2: Yeah. I'm the opposite. I grew up in an era where the the music is still being played forty and fifty years later. That's cool. Where, where now? new music it is gone in a few years this is gone
1: yeah that's
2: true that's true so I take my son I go to I took him to Aerosmith we loved Aerosmith concert and we go to all of them just if you think of old classic rock we like it all
1: I'm gonna need therapy when we're done today Dan all right (laughs) let's jump into it
2: oh you guys are cracked me up you guys are fun and up and full of faith and if you carry any of the notion that you do with me on this podcast, you have a fun church.
0: So are you ready? We'll get ready right started yeah. on the first one?
2: Yeah, go ahead and get us going. All right.
0: So good to have you back, Dan. It's been like nine months since you were last on the podcast.
2: Well, good news is I have not had a baby in nine months. <laughs>